such a lively good morning. Good morning to those of you who are worshiping with us online. We are so glad you are joining us this morning. Let us know we are here. Let us know that you are here. I'm still trying to get to know everyone, so if I haven't had a chance to meet you in person, just uh, let me know that you're joining us so that I can connect with you. I'm still trying to connect with each person and family here, so Wow, it's wonderful to be with you all this morning. Um, I just want to share with you a call to worship before we begin today, and I'm going to be reading from Psalm chapter 9, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 2, and as I read these verses, I just want to encourage you to open up your hearts this morning, prepare your hearts for the Lord. Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name most high. And we are here to sing his praises today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you join in prayer with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be in your house this morning. We are so glad to be worshiping together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would be welcome in this space. God, I just pray that our hearts would be opened and softened towards you, towards your word. Lord, receive our praise and worship this morning. You are so worthy, and we thank you, God. We will sing of your wonderful deeds. Be here with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please stand and worship with us.
and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are indeed waiting here for you. And Lord, it's so easy to get caught up in distractions. It's so easy, Lord, to uh, remember just why we gather in this place. God, we are waiting for you. Lord, I just pray that you would fill us with more of you. I pray, God, that this would be an intentional time where we can empty of ourselves so that we can be filled with your Holy Spirit, so that we can be your people that you've called us to be, to go out into the world and share your love 
with our neighbors and those around us. God, we gather in this space and we recognize that there are heavy burdens represented here today. Lord, we just pray for those, those families, the many families who are still dealing with losses this week, Lord. So many in our church, God, there are so many families who are dealing with losses of loved ones. And so, God, we just continue to remember them. We know that it's oftentimes when the funeral is over, when everybody begins to go home, and that's just when the reality tends to set in, and it, it often feels even more difficult in those moments. So, God, I just pray that you would continue to be there with those families. God, I just pray that you would continue to comfort them, fill them with your perfect peace in these difficult times. Lord, we, we just pray that you would help us to be a spirit-filled community. God, we often have our own ideas of what it looks like to be the church today, but let us not forget who you've called us to be and how your word teaches us to live and operate. So Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Teach us, mold us, make us, empower us. And we will give you the glory and the praise for what you are doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, amen and amen. I just want to take this moment to remind those of you who are tuning in online this morning that at the end of our service, we will be participating in communion together. So if you are able to gather your elements at home, um, go ahead and do that when you have the opportunity. We're looking forward to sharing in that together at the end of our service. Uh, well, this morning, if you would prepare to read from Acts chapter 2, we're going to be looking at this passage again this week that we looked at last week. And so I invite you to stand with me as we read the word from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Luke says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of God this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, we are in the second week of our series that we have called, or we have titled Community, and we are kind of rediscovering what it looks like to be the spirit-filled community of God. We are reminding ourselves that this is what the spirit-filled community look like, looked like that we see in Acts chapter 2, and, and we're, we're doing sort of a reflection. We are asking ourselves questions. When it comes to being the spirit-filled community of God or the church, what are we doing well? What are some things that we can identify that, that we are doing well? When held up against this church that we read about in Acts, the early church, do we reflect this church? 
What are some things we can do better? What are some practices that we have perhaps lost, some things that we have sort of laid to the side that we can pick back up and begin doing again? How do we, the, the community in Belleville, the community at Belleville First Church of the Nazarene, I'm discovering this with you. How do we become the kind of community that others want to be a part of? I mean, they don't know what they're missing. You guys are great. You guys are wonderful. And, and I don't expect that to go away anytime soon. This is truly a, a beautiful community. How do we bring those in and help them see what they might be missing out on? And so we're kind of asking these questions as we go through this series over the next few weeks. Last week, we, we looked at the apostles' teaching and fellowship. We looked at those first two components that we see in verse 42. We talked about how a spirit-filled community, just to remind you, a spirit-filled community teaches. This is important, but we also testify. An important part of the teaching, the apostles' teaching, is the testimony. We are to go and share what we have learned, what we have received. We aren't to hold on to that. We're to take that out and share that with others. So teaching and testimony, I include testimony in that. And then we also looked at the fellowship, a spirit filled community of God opens one's table in fellowship, in holy fellowship. We extend our table to the other. And, and last week I was kind of speaking of a metaphorical table, and this week we're going to continue on looking at the breaking of bread, and we're going to be talking about the physical table, the dinner table that we gather around. Because as you read in verse 42, Luke emphasizes, thirdly, the breaking of bread sharing a meal. This is something that Luke highlights as important. This is one of the things that the early church was devoted to. They had a single-minded focus on this, including the other three things. And so the first obvious question we might ask is, why? Why, among other things, did Luke highlight breaking of bread? What's so important about breaking bread? What's so important about sharing a meal with someone? You, you have to eat, right? And so what's so important about, about making sure that we're intentional, that we include others in this random act of, of eating that we just do every day without thinking about it? And, and so I began to think about this. Why was this a main practice that the church held to so dearly? And I started thinking about meals that I've shared around the table with people, people outside of my family, of course, my family included in my household, but I started thinking about other times when I've shared meals with others. And I was reminded of our dear friends in Arkansas, our friends Josh and Julie, and these are some of our oldest friends. We've been friends for years and years, and we've had babies together, and we've shared life together, and some of our most favorite, cherished moments of mine are when we've gathered with our dear friends around the table. Sometimes gathering around the table and rejoicing over the great things in life, the things that we're celebrating, and then there were times where we gathered around the table and just cried together because life was difficult and we went through challenging things together. Those are some of my most cherished moments. But then I thought about another aspect of breaking bread and sharing a meal. I thought about someone who, who Bo and I came across at one point in our ministry. 
And I thought about this person that we met at church one time, and, and this was someone who was not very talkative. They were very shy. They didn't open up. They really didn't say much more than hello. We tried to get to know this person at church, but there was just kind of a barrier there. There was kind of a wall that was built, and we weren't able to get very far. And then at one time, we invited this person to the dinner table. We invited this person in for a meal, and I just can't even explain to you how much those walls began to come down. I can't explain to you that this person was not the same person we met at the church building. This person was so different around the table. I sensed that, that they were comfortable. Their walls began to come down, and the barriers were breaking, and a friendship was not only formed, but it was deepened around the table. So I began thinking about that, and I thought, that's why. That's why Luke highlighted this as important, and that's why the church participated in this sacred act of the breaking of bread. And so let me, let me just guess what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, well, that sounds really great, Pastor Nicole. You've painted a beautiful picture of what it looks like to break bread. But how do you know that's what Luke was talking about? Shouldn't Luke be talking about or pointing to the importance of communion? What if that's the breaking of bread that he was referring to? And I just have to tell you, if you're questioning that and thinking about that this morning, scholars think about that too. Scholars are, are not necessarily divided on this, but there are certainly scholars who point to the, the, the regular act of breaking bread, and this was just a normal meal that was shared. But then there are other scholars who say, no, this, this certainly was referring to communion, holy communion, the Lord's Supper. Then there are other scholars who say, no, if you look at verse 46, that lacks Eucharistic tones. And so what I've kind of gathered and what many scholars do say is that likely both took place. And they both probably took place, broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. See, what we do know for certain is that present at these meals was love, joy. There was a deep sense of community. There was a compassion that was present at the table. You see... What I want to share with you this morning is that when Jesus is present at the table, when spirit-filled uh, spirit people gather around the table, Jesus is present and eyes are opened. Let me give you an example of what this looks like because here's the thing that I want to highlight this morning. Anyone can have a good time around the table, Right? I don't think you have to be a believer to have a good time at the dinner table. I think that, that even believers can gather around at the dinner table and they can just have ordinary, non-spiritual conversations and still have a great time. But something changes when spirit-filled people gather around the table. There's, there's not just a good time that is being had. There is a different kind of love. There's a different kind of peace present. There's a different kind of joy. And I want to give you a specific example of that. You're likely familiar with the story of Emmaus in Luke's gospel, the, the story of the two men that are walking to the village of Emmaus. See, Luke is the author of Acts, and he also has his own gospel, the gospel according to Luke. And in his gospel, he shares this story. And this story takes place just days after Jesus' death. 
And there are still many who haven't seen the resurrected Jesus yet. And so these two men, just to recap the story for you, they're walking to this village called Emmaus, and they are heavy-hearted. Like many families that are here today, they are walking in grief. They are heavy-hearted, they're broken-hearted, and they are questioning everything. They are questioning what has happened, and then Jesus shows up, you know? You know the story, Jesus shows up, but they don't realize that it's Jesus. He, he, their, their hearts are not clear that this is Jesus, and so they begin talking to him. They're a little perplexed. How does this guy not know what's been going on here over the past few days? You must really not have a clue because you, you would not believe what has happened. And so they tell him, Jesus speaks into that, and then we pick that up in verse 28, Luke chapter 24, verse 28. Let me read that to you. Luke says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, I love this. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened scripture to us? I love how Reuben Welch refers to this passage as a table fellowship revelation of Jesus. In the gathering, in the breaking of bread, in the simple act of sharing a meal together, these men recognized that Jesus was not only risen and alive, but that he was present with them. He was physically there with them. This was all discovered through the simple act of breaking bread at the table when spirit-filled people, when a spirit-filled community breaks bread, Jesus is present and eyes are opened. What's even more interesting to me about this is that scholars say that Luke's gospel was, was filled with, with signs. His gospel in particular was filled with signs that the kingdom is at hand and this was realized through hospitality. Luke often revealed how the kingdom of God was at hand through hospitality, through pointing to these moments where people are simply sharing a meal together at the table or the opening of one's home. And it was through the opening of one's home, one's table, to a stranger. It, this can happen with a stranger. It can happen with another believer. And in this instance, opening one's table to Jesus himself is what helped them recognize that the kingdom of God is indeed at hand and Jesus is alive. Something I've observed, not only as a pastor, but just as a believer, as a Christian who tries to be observant, I've observed that people are starving. People are starving, and, and here's what I mean. People are starving physically. People are physically starving for nourishment. We don't overlook that, and guess what? We recognize our call to respond to that. You and I are, to, are called to respond to that, that physical starvation. But I'm also recognizing that people are starving spiritually. They're spiritually starving, and my fear is that they're being overlooked by the church. 
My fear is that, that oftentimes we are expecting them to come to us. Well, if you want to be filled, come to church with me. Come to church with me and you'll be filled. Come to my Sunday school class. Join us online and you'll be filled. And certainly they will. Amen? When the body gathers, we are filled. But I often wonder if we overlook the power in simple hospitality. I, I wonder if sometimes we miss opportunities to help a starving person who's hungry for Jesus, if we overlook opportunities to share with them, opportunities for them to see Jesus when we refrain from inviting them to our table, when we refrain from just inviting people to simply share a meal with us. And I just don't want us to overlook this, this beautiful practice of breaking bread with people. Something changes when spirit-filled people gather around a table. Walls begin to break. Barriers begin to break. And people see Jesus in a different way. And so perhaps when spirit-filled people are faithful in opening up their table, in, in this act of hospitality, perhaps, maybe, we have hope that people who are starving, people who are hungry for Jesus, people who are hurting, people who are hopeless, people who are broken, people who are marginalized, people who are forgotten, that when they are invited to our table, that maybe, just maybe, their eyes will be opened and they will see that Jesus is alive and present right there. And their eyes are open to how he wants to heal them, restore them, renew them, remake them, reshape them, and they can be invited to participate in the active kingdom of God that is already at hand. This is something we hope and believe can happen through the simple act of opening up our homes, opening up our tables. We pray that people will walk away encouraged by the body of Christ, that they would walk away feeling touched by his spirit, healed, restored, and maybe they will be ready to share with someone else what Jesus did, just like the men in Luke's story. See, breaking of bread, the act of, of breaking bread with people, this should be a regular practice for a spirit-filled community. And here's what I want to remind you of. If you have not broken bread with, with people outside your home in the past 10 months, I am not on your case for that. COVID has robbed us of this, right? COVID has, has stripped us from this opportunity. The church has shown up in love for neighbor by refraining to gather around the table over these past few months, but it's not always going to be this way. Pretty soon it will be. We hope and pray God willing that pretty soon it will be safe for us to gather around the table with strangers again, with friends again, and when it's safe to do so, and this doesn't look the same for everyone. I just need to remind us that this looks different for everyone. Situations are changing. Vaccines are becoming more available. And so pretty soon this is just going to be a decision that we all have to discern for ourselves and our families. But pretty soon it's going to be safe to gather again. And when it is, I just want to remind you, don't forsake the holy practice of opening up your table and breaking bread with friends and strangers and people that are starving for Jesus. People that just want to see Jesus even before they realize it.
I like how Pastor Shauna Songer Gaines, she pastors at Trevecca Community Church in Nashville, Tennessee. She says it like this, the Christian practice of the shared meal shatters the dichotomy and invades the idea that we live our lives in separate spheres with visions of the kingdom of God. In a shared meal, strangers are invited to sit at a table of friends. Friends. Who doesn't want to sit at a table of friends? See, this person that I was sharing with you, I was sharing about this person earlier, this person that Bo and I met, and and we just really got to know them at the table This is a a reminder that there are people out there that are hurting and broken and they're just waiting for the church to take that next step of hospitality. Saying hello to people in our buildings, that's great. And being friendly to them, of course, yes, that's great. Let's keep doing that. Saying, how are you? How's your week been? That's great. But sometimes it's that extra step of inviting them to your table that really helps them to see Jesus in a different way and grow. And and this person that I was referring to earlier, this was a a classic example of that. This person shared that, that they never really felt a part of the church, that they had a church home and they went to church and people were friendly and nice to them. But they, there was something missing, and it was just the simple act of sharing a meal together. And I just want to remind us that that's why Luke considered it so important to note. This is what a spirit-filled community did. So I just want to ask you this morning, as we begin to, to close this message, I just want to challenge you and ask you, when it's safe to do so, who will you invite to your table When it's safe to do so, who will you invite to break bread with? Who will you invite into your home to share a meal with? Would you prayerfully consider who God might encourage you to share a meal with? Would you ask him, Lord, show me who's hurting. Show me who's broken and who's hungry for more of Jesus, who's hungry for fellowship and community. Would you show them to me so that I can invite them in and welcome them to my table? At one time, Bo and I had this lofty goal or this lofty hope that once a month, this was way back when, of course, that once a month we would invite someone new to our table. We kind of tried to make that a goal. We didn't always do well with that, but we tried to have that at the forefront of our mind. Who are we going to invite to our table this month? Someone new, someone that we haven't shared a meal with, and that's just a way to hold us accountable because it's easy to push this to the side and forget about and how important it is. And so I just want to challenge you. I'm going to invite the praise team back up. And we're going to sing this song together, We Are Hungry. And we're going to kind of transition. Because what I don't want us to miss this morning is that Luke was referring, likely referring to a shared meal with friends. But let us not miss the importance of the Lord's Supper. He, he certainly was referring to the importance of the church gathering and breaking bread at Jesus' table. And so in in just a few moments, we're going to transition and and we are going to participate in the holy act of communion together. And we've talked a lot about hospitality this morning. And I just want to remind us that Jesus is the one who instituted hospitality. That the very moment that he broke bread with his disciples on the night he he was betrayed, he instituted hospitality and gathering around the table. 
And so I wonder if when I was speaking earlier about people who are lost and broken and hurting and lonely, people who just need to see Jesus in a different way, I wonder if you resonated with that. I just want to remind you that in a moment, we are going to come to the table together, and Jesus is present at this table, and he longs to fill you. He longs to renew you. He longs to revive you. And so as we sing this song, We Are Hungry, I just want to encourage you to prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts and prepare to come to the table and participate together. I encourage you to confess to, to explore your heart, to, to have kind of an introspection. What, what is the difference between you and Jesus at the moment? What is something that you need to confess and give to him at this time? And so let us sing this song together, and then we will come back and gather in just a moment.
I love about gathering at the table with my church family. I, I truly don't take it for granted. I love gathering at the table of communion with my brothers and sisters of, in Christ. And one of the reasons why is because communion is more than just personal or individual introspection. That's important. That's needed and necessary. But sharing a meal together sharing a meal with believers, with the body of Christ, there's something beautiful about it. Knowing that we can all come to this table, knowing that we are all coming to the table, by the way, broken in some way, hurting in some way, longing for the kingdom of God to be realized. We carry that heavy burden to the table and we're together in that. We're not alone in our brokenness, in our hurting, in our longing, in our waiting. We share that burden together, and we leave the table then restored together, renewed together, leaving this place together through the Spirit, ready to go out and practice hospitality. So I just want to invite you to pray with me as, as we prepare this morning. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for that beautiful moment in which you showed us what hospitality looks like. The night you gathered with your disciples, showing them what it looks like to serve one another, getting on your hands and knees and washing their feet. Lord, we are humbled in the ways that you showed hospitality and service. But you didn't stop there. Lord, you you showed the disciples. You were giving them a peek into what was about to happen, what was about to take place, the kingdom of God that was coming. And Lord, we are reminded that, that Judas sat at that table. Peter sat at that table. All those men were broken, sinful. They were welcome to the table. 
So Lord, let it not be lost on us, the significance of this moment. Thank you for inviting us to your table. I pray that, that in this means of grace that we would experience more of you, that we would be filled with more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So I invite you to take, break, eat, and be thankful. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He, he gave thanks and he passed it around and he said, this is the cup, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for forgiveness of sins. Drink and be thankful this morning. God, we thank you. Thank you for your deep love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. God, I pray that as we leave this table today, that we would be more complete, more whole, healed, restored, and encouraged more than we were when we came in this morning. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, this morning, I just want to share with you a few quick announcements. Um, we're going to start off with um, a quick video regarding alabaster offering. The Lord called me and my wife to Rustenburg Church when the church was 40 years old already, built by alabaster money. There were 10 people in the church, various reasons why, but I started preaching my heart out teaching them, training them. And at one stage, I did a sermon series about getting out of the boat and obeying, doing the things that we're uncomfortable with. But if God calls us by, by obedience and by faith, we need to get out of the boat. I told them that this building was built with alabaster funds. Somewhere somebody sacrificed for us to be a, a blossoming, growing church, making an impact in our community. And we're not. That was the beginning of a, of a new journey for us, of getting out of the building more and more and more. Uh, the church started growing because we met the needs of our community. In the end, the church became so filled that we, it was too small. So we literally had to meet outside of the church on the lawn. And more people came because we were outside. We moved into a hostel, a school hostel. Um, and the plan was to be without a building for two years and then start to build a facility with the money that we got from the sale of the old property. After two years in the hostel, we grew so fast that we already needed a new space. And I said, Lord, are we ready to start building? It's as if the Lord asked me, why do you want to build a new building if you're not even building my kingdom? And I was sort of shocked. What do you mean, Lord? But the church is growing. We're doing well. And at that moment, a number of teenage boys came running through the gate. And then I realized we greet each other, but I've never had any, any discussion with them about Jesus, any conversation. 
As I got into my vehicle, I started calculating how many boys, teenage boys, do live in this building. Plus, there's two schools and another one in close vicinity. How many school children move around this building every day? And I calculated between three and 4,000 kids every day. We challenged the church. Would it be okay? Would you approve? Would you support us not starting with a building, but getting out of the boat again, going without a building for some more time, and making an impact on children and youth in our community. Unanimously, they supported us. So we used the building fund to buy a tent to put up a youth center. For the first time ever, we, we're going to add some staff to the team and not to be a pastor for visitation or worship, but specifically to work with the young people. Fast forward five years, seven years at that stage. The plan was to be without a building for two, that stretched to five, and in the end, seven years before we moved into our new building. A number of miracle stories, the church just kept on growing, it kept on growing. It's as if the Lord started with voices saying, so we're reaching this community, but what about that community? There's a farming community 20 kilometers out of Rustenburg, and the guys don't really go to church. There's no churches there. They have to drive to get to church. So we prayed about it, asked the Lord for his guidance. Somebody phoned and said, we're building this chapel. Uh, if you would ever be interested, you can use this. Long story short, they donated a 300-seater church for that farming community. I'm sitting in it right now. Uh, we started 18 months ago. Of the 300 seats, half of them are still already filled on a Sunday. And already we're looking at the next community, another 25 kilometers away, uh, a mining community. Somebody sacrificed alabaster funds so that we can have a tool to reach to our community. And as, as a church, we are compelled to use the sacrifice other people made with alabaster money to keep on impacting our local communities. And let us not forget our brothers and sisters around the world who are participating in the mission with us. And so that's just a brief look at what your alabaster offering goes to. So don't forget that that box will be out there all month long for you to bring your boxes, your change, your coins, your dollars uh, and to be given toward that mission. Um, also, don't forget your mosaic baby bottles are due next week. That's a you gotta go take your your dollars to the bank and ask them to give you some change or just stuff your dollars in there. But we've got lots of good things going on that we want to contribute to. So don't forget to bring your baby bottles next week. Um, in case you forgot, the season of Lent is is upon us. It's coming. It'll be here soon. And and so um, I want you to stay tuned for the details in regards to like a Ash Wednesday gathering and just what things are going to look like during that time. We're still figuring that out, but we'll have more details for you next week. But I do want to let you know that if you want to participate in the um, devotional readings that are going to be provided for us, see Karen and sign up for one of these books. Um, these never disappoint. They are rich. They are great. And so I encourage you to go see her. Those are $6, and uh, she will have those for you. And then finally this morning, I just want to remind you that um, in, in terms of giving, 
through your worship through giving. You can do that at the back of the, the sanctuary with Greg there, or you can always give online. That resource is available, and there's even more than, than that on the screen for you. So um, with that said, brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior. I pray that you would have a blessed day. Stay warm. Don't get mad at the game tonight. And go and be hospitable this week. You are loved and dismissed.